0: Scripture reading. Would you mind standing, please? (laughs) My name is Bob Dora. We're going to read from from Acts chapter 1, verses 1-9. to In the book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs And a cloud took him out of their sight. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: Thank you, Bob. All right. Today we're going to um, launch into our series on the book of Acts. And so the um, book of Acts is longer than the book of Mark. It took us a year to get through the book of Mark. And uh, we're going to do the book of Acts and like just over two months. So we're going to fly, okay? We're going we're to, you know, well... Fly according to me. Okay, it may feel, you know, a little longer for you. But, um, so we're going to cover the book of Acts. Um, incredible story. It's a narrative, okay? And it covers the time from the resurrection of Jesus forward, all right? And so the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that they all focus on the ministry life of Jesus. A couple of them, you know, cover the the birth, so... Christmas, um, but they focused on the ministry life of Jesus and what he said and what he did, and, um, and then that led up to his death that he had said was going to happen, and then his resurrection, okay? And so now we're picking up in Acts, and Acts is the only book in the Bible that bridges the gap. If you have the Gospels that start the New Testament, and then the rest of the New Testament, are what's called epistles, which are letters. They're letters written to churches all over Asia and Europe and um, giving encouragement and correction and, and stuff like that. And so, you know, the question is like, well, how did we get from Jesus' death and resurrection to now churches being all over the place? And the the what bridges the gap is the book of Acts. And it gives us, if we understand the book of Acts, it gives us kind of the framework that we can hang the rest Of the new testament on and understand okay what it's about what's it what's it talking about what's the context of it so that's what we're going to dive in i'm excited about it um theologians have a little argument going on about the book of acts and and they say okay is the book of acts descriptive or prescriptive okay descriptive would be it just says what happens okay it's not meant to say this is the model for every church it just says what did god do at that time and in, and in those circumstances, to launch his church. Okay, so that's descriptive. Prescriptive would say, no, everything that was done is something we need to learn from. And so if we want to be a good, you know, um, pure church, like the first church, then that's what we are to do. And um, so that's the debate. And uh, so I'll give you the answer to the debate. And uh, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Okay, I, I think obviously it's describing how the, how the church was used by God as this movement that was unbelievable. Um, and so that was descriptive, but it's not all prescriptive. For example, at the end of the very first chapter, um, Judas had turned his back on Jesus, and then he committed suicide. And so he, tra- he was a traitor, and then he committed suicide. So the 12 went down to 11, as far as close followers of Jesus, his group called the, the disciples or apostles. So at the end of chapter 1 of Acts, it says, okay, we need to pick a new one to join us, to be part of the 12. And so they pray, and they, and they consider people, and they, they come down to two. And then you know what they did to decide? They cast lots, which is kind of like flipping a coin, you know, so I just want you to know, we're not taking that as this is how we should make decisions, okay? So like, okay, one day when we hire the next pastor, we're, we're not going to say, okay, line up uh, heads or tails, you know? We're, we're not going to do that. That was just descriptive. That was saying, this is how God led them at that time in that specific place to determine that, okay? So, but there is a lot of things, and, and some we're even going to talk about today, that are timeless truths that we learn from the book of Acts, that are meant for us, and meant for us to, to uh, you know, change our way of thinking, and to impact how we live, how we see ourselves, how we see God. And so, the, it's both descriptive, and I think it is prescriptive, um, in a lot of it as well. And so, and we'll point those things out to you as we, as we go. Okay. So chapter one, verse one. Bring your Bibles to this. This is a great thing. Bring your Bibles. Okay. Um, I don't know what you think about the Bible like this is a sacred text I don't you know hardly touch it because it's like holy or what but if I was you I would bring it and then I'd write all over it and I just things that I'm learning things that um, you know sometimes I'll write down things that challenge me as an opportunity for growth and I'll, I'll date it and so then later on I come back that same area and I say, like, oh yeah I remember what God was doing me doing in me at that time. So um, bring your Bibles and uh, follow along. Okay. Acts 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so um, this is Luke. Luke is writing Acts. And so he's going to write, here's what happened when Jesus launched the church. And this is how it spread. And so he's writing Acts, but he's he's writing it to Theophilus. The same guy that he wrote the book of Luke to, all right? So in a sense, Luke has a, a, a two-part book. One of them is called uh, Luke, and the other one's called Acts, okay? And so same writer, and he's continuing the narrative. He's continuing the story. This is, this is who Jesus is. This is what he's done. This is what he said he would do. This is his death and resurrection, and now here's how he's continuing to work. Even though he's leaving us, this is how he's going to continue to do his work and and spread his message, and that's Acts. We have Luke and Acts, part one, part two. Verse four, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. So Jesus is telling his disciples, okay, I'm about ready to launch you. This is, I've been talking to you about this. I've been preparing you for this. Um, I've risen from the dead. I'm with you, but uh, I'm about ready to launch you on the mission. But before you go, I want you to wait. And he says, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. And so he's saying, I'm going, and he talked about, I'm going to send you a messenger. I'm going to send you a helper. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying, wait for it. Wait for it. Because you've been walking with me for a few years now. You've been seeing me. Speak truth, um, love people, offer hope to the world, um, and you're thinking that's pretty amazing. And it it has been amazing. But he actually said, greater things that you've seen, now will you do. And it's like, what? You're leaving us, but you're saying greater things? How's that going to work? And he said, don't panic. I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so he's telling them, wait. For the Holy Spirit to come upon you. So um, this movement's going to be launched. And next week we'll, we'll look at the launching of the movement in Acts chapter 2. But um, this movement's going to be launched that changes the world. And really, as you follow it, it leads to you being here today. This is a movement of God that, that Jesus said is going to happen. And I'm going to launch it. And the result is that it spread throughout Asia and Europe and continues to this day. And you're part of that story. And so um, the book of Acts just covers the first 30 years. Okay? 30 years from the death and resurrection of Jesus through how the church moved um, throughout Asia and Europe. Okay? It... uh, It covers 10,000 miles. It covers 32 countries, 54 cities, nine different islands. And it talks about 95 different governing or local authorities are mentioned in this 30 years in the book of Acts. And it is is, um, a miraculous, miraculous journey. And the question that we're going to talk about today is how did this happen? I mean, how did when Jesus left his followers, how did it impact the world in a way that was even more dramatic than when Jesus was with his followers? And the, the answer is the church. Now, when we think about the church today, we think of organized religion, and then we think about the history throughout, you know, humanity of the church. And um, most people talk about bad stuff. They caused problems. They caused wars. They did terrible things. They were greedy. And, and, there's, and there is truth to, to many of those accusations. But there's also truth to the beauty of people who are truly followers of Jesus, who impacted the world through the message of hope and by demonstrating his love And um, our world was forever changed. And so we're going to look at the first 30 years of this movement. This movement that happened even though they didn't have money. I mean, they were a startup organization. They were, you know, think about it that way. They were a beginning organization that um, the only leaders that they had to lead them were people who had just ran for their lives. They had just run away. Their, Their leader was killed. And, um, and they thought, all hope is lost. Our whole vision for what this is supposed to be about is gone. And uh, they didn't have money. They didn't have political power. Um, they, they didn't have, like, a marketing plan. You know, somebody who, they, you know, they weren't social influencers that were plugging into their Twitter and TikTok accounts. And, you know, I mean, they didn't have any of that. In fact, they stood in opposition to the cultural norms. Followers of Jesus were living their lives differently than what was accepted as normal and good. And by the way, that has been true then, and it's been true ever since then. Because wherever you live, there are cultural norms that that cultural thinks are superior. It's because we're kind of myopic people, and it's like, this is my experience, this is my life. In fact, right now, we are smarter than we've ever been with, um, and and we just evolved to this place of, you know, high awareness and civilization, and every civilization has sought that. And, um, but followers of Jesus don't follow man, human made civilizations and norms. We follow what God says is true and who God says we are and how we should think about ourselves and how we should see people around us. And so we're always gonna be a little off. Okay, And so it's going to rub against the culture. And, um, and when they launched, they rubbed against the culture in pretty dramatic ways to where um, the governing authorities came against them. They experienced persecution. They're a startup company. They have no money. They have no political clout. And in fact, the people around them, as much as were, who were res- responding positively to them, there was also people in power who were s- responding negatively and wanted them stopped. And the most powerful nation in the world at that time, the Roman Empire, came against them and tried to stop them. But this movement wasn't stopped. In fact, it moved like a flood over the Roman Empire until eventually the Roman Empire declared itself um, through Constantine that we are, a we are a Christian empire. How did this happen? Well, it was God working in the church. Now, verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8... That, that verse is a great statement of the mission. So it's this is the mission for the church, and this is how that mission is going to live, be lived out in the next 30 years. And then it also breaks down kind of the outline of the book of Acts, okay? So verse 8 says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's the first seven chapters of Acts, one through seven, Okay. And then you'll be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria. Well, that's, that's uh, chapters 8 through 12. And then to the ends of the earth. And that is chapters 13 through 28. Okay? And so that's how it unfolds. It ha- unfolds over 30 years. And so I want to show you a map and just kind of show you geographically how it unfolds. The red circle where it says Palestine down there... Um, almost in the middle of that, is Jerusalem. And that is the hub. That is where the church began. And um, like I said, we'll look at that next week. But that is where the Holy Spirit came on, followers of Jesus, and empowered them to live for him and to take this message to the world. So that was the hub of the church. And we're going to see that in the first few um, chapters of the book of Acts. But then persecution came. They were being hunted down um, ...and killed to where they scattered. And the, the hub of the church kind of moved up to Antioch... ...which is that blue circle um, just to the north of Palestine. Okay? Now, today, Antioch... Oh, hello. Um, today, <laughs> Antioch is um, it's right on the border of Turkey and Syria. Okay? So, it, it's in Turkey but it's real close to the Syrian border, and that's where Antioch is. Um, In Antioch is where a man named Barnabas would end up discipling Saul, who became Paul, all right? Antioch was the first church that launched missionaries, all right? And one of those missionaries would be Paul. Eventually, after them going into Asia and moving west along the Mediterranean Sea... The green circle is around Ephesus. And Ephesus became kind of a a hub, a place where the elders in Ephesus would continue um, sending out missionaries. And where Paul spent, he went there on a second missionary journey. He uh, established the church there in Ephesus. And then he would come back and spend two or three years there. Kind of established a school where he trained people up. In their faith and in their ability to share Jesus with others and to continue the movement of growing the church. And then if we go to the, to the left hand, top left corner, the purple circle, up there is Rome. And that's where we end the book of Acts. And so in 30 years it has swept through and up into Rome. And w- the book ends with Paul actually under arrest in Rome. He is under house arrest, and so it's the equivalent of you know being in your home with an ankle bracelet so they know where you are. And, um, but people would come and go, and so he was constantly teaching, even under arrest, he would be teaching about the hope of Jesus, spreading the good news, and uh, while under arrest, he wrote several letters to these other churches along the way in, in, in Greece and in, in, um, in Asia that he had planted. And so that kind of gives you a geographical overview of what we're going to be looking at in the book of Acts, okay? So now, the question is foundational. I mean, how did God use his faith family? I mean, this is a miracle that took place. How did this happen? And so, verses 1 to 3. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all Jesus began to do. So the fo- focus of his old book was Jesus, all right? And to teach, or began to do and teach. Now, verse 3. After his suffering, Jesus, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, primarily by showing up alive, you know, was his convincing proofs. It's like, well, that's hard to, you know, that's hard to debunk is uh, he's alive and he's walking around and he's showing himself, to not only his followers, but people who aren't his followers. And if, if you've seen him, you can't deny that he was dead and now he's not. And so what do we do with that? And, uh, and so he said, he had many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And so here's what happened in the launching of the church. is um, The church happened and God used it to change the world. But the transforming truth of the church was Jesus that he really is God and he lives and he is here because um, he wants to know you. I mean, God, God became flesh because he created us with um, an intent that we would live our lives in relationship with him. Problem is, we've got this selfish bent in us that we kind of are convinced, no, we're the center of the universe. The world rotates around me. And so I will decide how I want to live, when I want to live, I mean, I mean what I want to do, when I want to do it. And I will trust me. And we might not even give thought to God. And that selfish bent separates us from God. And God's saying, okay, I'm a God of justice. I mean, I can by no means let the guilty go unpunished, he says. And so in the the eyes of a perfect and holy God, we're guilty. And so he says, that's a hole we can't dig ourselves out of. And so he says, you don't have to. I am coming for you. And so God became flesh in the person of Jesus. And he lived a life that... um, we should live honoring God and we don't in order to sacrifice himself as a perfect sacrifice. took the punishment of our selfishness on himself and then rose from the dead, conquering, conquering that selfishness, conquering the consequences of the selfishness. And so to offer us new life and forgiveness. He said it was going to happen. It happened. And now he's alive And the truth about Jesus is what transforms people's lives and changed the world. So um, for them, it wasn't, hey, you know, become a follower of Jesus and life's going to be so good. I mean, trust me, it's it's works. It just works. And so follow Jesus and life will work for you. Because, for example, um, since we chose to follow Jesus, um, every time we go into a town and people know what we're doing... Um, they arrest us and put us in prison. And then a lot of times while we're in that town sharing this good news, they chase us from the town, and if they catch us, they beat us and leave us for dead. And so I think it's going to work for you too, just that way. And so join us. It's just going to be awesome. It's going to sweep the world. It's, you know, it's such good news. No, that wasn't the message. That wasn't why people followed Jesus. The message was simply this. Here's the facts. God became man in the person of Jesus... He did miraculous things, and he taught about why he came and our dilemma and that he is the ultimate hope. But we were thinking hope like you're going to free us from our problems. And that's what we think too a lot of times. We think, you know what, our moment in history is the most important moment in history. And if things are going bad with our circumstances and our, our you know, politi- geopolitical moment, we think, well, God, what you need to do is fix that. That would be the best hope of the world. And so fix our problems, fix our economy, fix, um, just fix it. And we think, that's our hope. And Jesus says, that is so tiny. You guys are just lost in your own little world because I've come to change history, all of it. I've come to change eternity. And so the message is Jesus is God and he's alive and he's the only way that we we can be connected to the God that created us to be in relationship with him. And everything else that we're, we're chasing is we're just trying to meet those needs in our lives. Like, do I have meaning? Do I have purpose? Um, what's the biggest problems of the world? What's the hope of the world? Well, uh, you know, the hope is that my candidate gets elected and that we stop all these other people who don't agree with me. And, and that's the hope of the world. And I want you to know that that is not it. The hope of the world is Jesus. And that's what changed people's lives. And what changed the world is the truth of jesus and he's our hope and anything else that you're putting your hope in is diddly squat in comparison and um and even his followers are having the same problem they're saying jesus our hope is you overcoming the romans they are a pagan godless people in fact they're so godless they have millions of gods and and, and in fact the emperor thinks he's a god and that is so wrong obviously and so you need to fix this I mean, and they are, um, they're messed up in their sexuality, they're messed up in how they think about themselves, that they're greedy, Um, they're they're selfish, Uh, we we need to, they're overtaxing us, they're, you know, causing damage to our economy here in Palestine, I mean, fix them, overthrow them, let's, let's, let's make a godly, you know, nation, and that was their hope, and Jesus then died, and then rose from the dead, and in the verses that, that Bob read, it says, hey, now is your kingdom? Now are you going to do it? And Jesus said, hey, you're still missing the point. And then he said, here's the point. Take the good news about who I am and share it with others and go throughout the world and share the good news. And you know what? Rome's going to come and go. That, that's not the point. No matter who's over you, that's not the point. That's not the hope of the world. Hope of the world is me. Go share that. And that's what changed the world is the hope of the world is jesus and so the challenge to you and i is do you believe that i mean seriously is your hope your relationship with god and how he gives you meaning and purpose and and even contentment and joy in life even though maybe things around you aren't the way that you would like them to be is he the one that offers you hope and and that so much so that you are longing to share that with other people that might even not know that there's a God who created them to be in relationship with them, who loves them, and is actually pursuing them. I mean, that's the hope of the world. And anything else doesn't even come close. And so what's capturing your heart? What's fueling your fire? I tell you, the last couple of years, um, there's a lot of people that the fuel in their fire has been a very minor issue or hope in comparison to Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done and what he's offering. And we've gotten knocked off the rails and we end up starting to not like people and we end up not even able to discuss issues without getting in fights and branding people and canceling people. And it's because we are obsessed with the wrong thing. We need to be obsessed With our relationship with god and the hope that he offers to the world and that's what drives us and so where are we at you know if we just look back and just look at a you know a video of your life the last month what's been driving you what's what what have you been living for where's your hope and god would you grow us up in the truth of who you are and the hope you offer and that's what drove the church and that's how God changed the world. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so what happened? The church happened. And what was this transforming power? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about it throughout this series. But um, this week and next week especially. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit and I have conversations with people, um, the Holy Spirit kind of scares people. Like, yeah, kind of a mystery. I don't know what's, what's going on there. You know, God the Father makes sense. God the Son, okay, I understand Jesus, makes sense. Um, Bible, I'm understanding that more. I can study that. Holy Spirit, a little spooky. Not sure what he's up to. What's he doing? And so um, I want to spend just a little time this week and next week uh, taking a little bit of the mystery out of it. Because God's given us a lot of information about what the Holy Spirit, who, who it is, is, and what the Holy Spirit does. And so let's look at that. Uh, verse 4. And while staying with them, this is Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. He's going, okay, I'm, I'm giving you your mission, but um, the gun hasn't gone off yet. All right? So I want you to wait. But wait for the promise of the Father. Um, which he said, you heard from me. So Jesus said, this is not news. I've been talking to you about one day I'm going to leave you and I'm going to give you a helper. And greater things will you do than I've done. And I think it just went one in one ear and out the other because I just thought, no, not possible. Can't be done. I don't get it, but I don't believe it. Verse 5. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So wait for it. And it's going to happen soon. Now, really a key phrase in there is the helper's coming, Holy Spirit's coming, and we've talked about this. You've heard from me about this. And so what did Jesus tell them about the Holy Spirit? He's saying, don't freak out. I'm leaving you, but I'm sending you the Spirit, and I've taught you about who the Spirit is and what he's going to be doing, all right? So if we jump back to John chapter 14... We, we find out some of the things that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. All right? And so that's, um, that's something that people around them have been trying to do, and they were struggling with it. And he's saying, all my commandments are summarized in two things. Love me, love others. Okay? So he's saying, you're going to love me, you're going to keep my commandments with, by loving others as well. Um, But he said, it's not a matter of just trying harder. Um, I'm going to help you with that. And he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is our helper to be with you forever. He's with us forever. Even the Spirit of truth. So he's given the Holy Spirit another name there, the Spirit of truth. So how does the Holy Spirit help us? By guiding us to truth. Not by making up all kinds of things. Sometimes we talk about the Holy Spirit and we blame the Holy Spirit on a lot of things. The Holy Spirit told me to do this and told me to do this and told me to do that. Well, if, if, if whatever that is is different than what God has already told us is true, then that's not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit guides us in truth whom the world cannot receive but it neither sees him nor knows him but you will know him For he dwells with you, and so every follower of God up to this point has had the Holy Spirit with them, all right? But now he says, and will be in you. And so the Holy Spirit is about to be in you in a new way, all right? And so that's what Jesus was telling. He's the Spirit of truth, and he's going to be in you, all right? So now, if we jump forward to verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you. So don't freak out. I'm preparing you for when I'm going to leave you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I I have said to you. And so part, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to remind you who God is, who Jesus is, and what he's about. And so one of the things that we do here on Sunday mornings, we study the Bible every week. We study the Bible why? Because we want to know who God is, who we are, what's God about. And the Holy Spirit will remind us of things we studied from God's word. Remind us of what Jesus said and did and who he is and why he did it. And so the Holy Spirit is constantly guiding us back to truth. And not some ambiguous unknown truth, but truth that God has clearly declared in our lives. And how we might be able to apply this truth in this moment in this circumstance, in our lives. And so that's what the Holy Spirit um, does. We're not left on our own, but we have the Spirit's wisdom and power to guide us through life. And, um, I mean, get your mind around that for a sec. See, when Jesus said, greater things will you do than I've been able to do, here's what he's saying. He's saying, "Um, I came to earth as God in the flesh so that I can tell you that I'm your hope and I can offer hope to the world and I stepped into the physical needs of people around me who were hurting because I care for them and I healed their souls. And so now I'm leaving you, but you know what? There's still going to be God in the flesh. Because the Holy Spirit, God, is going to be in you, those who trust me. And so now, instead of like right now, God in the flesh, Jesus, the incarnate God, um, is at one place, at one time. Now, I'm going to be in each of you. And as you spread out, and as you mix it up with people in this world, how many more people have the chance to see and experience me because I'm in you. That's my plan, and that's what I mean. By greater things will you do than I've done because I'm not contained to one body, but I'm in you, and I'll work in you and through you. I will work to transform you, and I'll work through you to step into other people's lives. And so if Jesus, on Earth, as he traveled around, He shared good news and the hope that he was offering to the world. And he he healed souls and he healed bodies. He cared for people's needs. He cared for outcasts. He cared for those who were um, the society turned their backs on. He cared um, for people who were alone. He cared for people who were in need. And so now, if God is living in us, what do we care about? We care about sharing the hope that Jesus offers, the true hope of the world, and that God loves you and he created you for a relationship with him and he's actually made a way for you to be made right with him. He loves you and he's pursuing you. He knows you and he loves you. That's that's the greatest hope of the world. And God, would you open my eyes to needs around me so I can love people like you love them. Not only share that hope, but step into their hurts. Step into their pain. Step into their, their trials and just be a listening ear. If there's any way I can practically help, I want to in, step into those things. I want to be you, Jesus. I want to be your hands and feet. I'm not God, but God is with me. And you want to allow people to see your love and to hear your hope as you work through me. And that's, that's the hope of the world. And so when you're thinking about, okay, I've placed my faith in Jesus, is that how you're seeing your life? What I think we're learning right out of the gates is uh, we need to put away our mediocre lives that are pursuing comfort. We need to get away from our vision for our lives that's so puny. I have a, views, a vision of having um, this kind of a bank account and this kind of security and this kind of a home over my head and um, this kind of health. And Jesus is saying, if that's your hope, that is so small because I want to change all of eternity in you and through you. And so we need to let go of our puny visions. And we wake up in the morning not being overwhelmed by all the circumstances that can overwhelm us, and, and they're important and they're real. But also go, you know what? I get to walk with God today, in the presence of God today. He is with me, and he is at work. And God, give me a sense of anticipation that I'm going to get to see you at work today. And I'm going to see opportunities that you want me to step into. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to get to see you work. I mean, that's the life he's calling us to. And it is bigger than the values of our country. It is bigger than the hopes that our country has. It is eternal that your life would get to experience a relationship with God, who you were created to be in relationship with, and that... In that relationship you would know more and more who he created you to be and you'd be able to share that hope with people around you and that's what we're going to see in the book of acts over 30 years and that's how long this series is going to be 30 years no um (laughs) uh, but i hope you're encouraged i'm pumped i can't wait So start praying about this you know um if you don't have a reading plan let's start reading the book of acts this summer let's you know take a chapter a day and if you miss a day don't worry about it you got a chance today Re- read read a chapter a day and you'll go through it a couple times but look for god how did, how did you work in your people and what are the principles that are timeless that apply to how you see me right now and god would i become more and more conscious of your presence with me day in and day out and have more and more of an expectation that you want to grow me up, but you also want to use me in the lives of others so that they can see you and your love for them. And let's watch what he does. Today maybe is the day where you're thinking, I want to be part of this family, I I want God With me, because this is personal. You know, we're studying this, and it's it's not some you know just knowledge that we have out here, but this is God revealing Himself to us. And so, this is personal. And so, maybe today is the day that I invite you to begin that new life with God. And so, let's let's bow our heads. If you're watching online, and uh, this is resonating with you. Um, bow your heads with me and I want you to talk to God and if you have never placed your trust in God and have just said God I surrender to you you're God I'm not then let's do that and so you can talk to God in the quietness of your own heart and uh, maybe say something like this God I acknowledge um, that you are God and uh, as silly as it sounds I'm not I acknowledge that you love me and that you've been revealing yourself to me. And so today, I want to respond to that and ask you to forgive me. And I place my hope in what Jesus has done for me so I can be forgiven. And I ask you to come into my life and help me understand you more Help me understand who you created me to be. And would you begin growing me into the person you created me to be? And I thank you for that, Father. And it's in your Son's name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for each person who just prayed that. That you protect their heart and mind. That you would give them a real sense that you are with them. That you're their comfort. That you're their hope. And that uh, this will just be the beginning of a new journey with you. And for others of us in this room who are your followers, who've placed our hope in you, and yet um, we've been looking to other things for hope. Our vision has, has consumed us and our, consumed our life, and it's not the one that is the primary vision you have for us. Father, may um, today your Holy Spirit in us convict us and give us clarity on who we are and what you've called us to be and how you've called us to live. We thank you for that, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Real quick, if, if you prayed along with me um, to place your trust in Jesus, um, as soon as we're done here today, could you just do me a quick favor? And that is go out to the center desk out there and let them know that you prayed along with bill today and um and they have some information for you that's just going to be helpful for you it's just going to be a few verses that will reinforce the decision you made. So, if you have questions, you have something to go back to and remember, you had that clarity brought to you. And then, how do you move forward? What do you do now? And so, it just gives you a couple easy, practical steps on how you can begin kind of fostering this new relationship with God. And if you're online, there's um, rollinghills.org, next steps, that you can go to, and um, there'll be a quick uh, little information thing for you to fill out, and we'll send that information. Um, to you if you're watching us online Um, God bless you we have the opportunity now to continue our worship by remembering Jesus' sacrifice for us as we take communion